Next on this episode of Contemplate. Imagine that there's a city full of people that God has put in your life, and you're the watchman. You're the watchman. You're on the wall. You know the trouble's coming. I just told you about it, and you already know that. That's why you came to Jesus yourself. And here you are on the wall, and you know that trouble is coming. And there's the people in the city are the people God has put in your life. Are you going to blow the trumpet or not? That was Pastor David Robinson from Axe Church in Camas, Washington. And this is Contemplate. I'm Ron Hagelgans. Always great to have you with us as today we begin a two-part podcast we're calling Time to Go. While giving us a quick overview of the book of Acts, Pastor David is teaching us the importance of evangelism or sharing our faith. And it's something that we all want to do and we all know we should do, but we sure do seem to have a tough time doing it. Please get out your Bibles, turn to the book of Acts as we join Pastor David Robinson with today's lesson recorded live at Acts Church. And we get Jesus with his disciples and he tells them something. This is what he says in in verse 180. He says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Okay, And so Jesus gives this, and then we have about 120 people on the day of Pentecost. Okay, The day of Pentecost, it's 50 days kind of after Jesus has risen, and we see uh, 3,000 people in one day join the church. It's the beginning of the church. It's, it's the Holy Spirit comes. There's these things that look like tongues of fire, and they, and they speak in these other languages. There's all these people there, and 3,000 people come to know Jesus that day, and the church just starts off with a bang, big bang. 3,000 people plus the 120 that were there, probably a lot more. Uh, Then we saw Peter and John involved in healing a lame man, uh, and we got some persecution that came from sort of the religious leaders of the time. Uh, But even with that persecution, we saw the church grew, continued to grow. And then we saw some trouble within the church. You guys may remember some folks who were lying to the Holy Spirit, and God dealt with that. But even with that, the church continued to grow. It continued to get larger and larger, more and more people coming to follow Christ. Then we had Stephen, who was a deacon, one of the first deacons there, one of the seven, and he was martyred. They stoned him to death. And the people, because of the persecution that was coming, including killing people, they spread out into Samaria and Judea and all these areas, as Jesus said they would. They spread out, and the church continued to grow as they went out and brought the message of the gospel out, and more and more and more people came in to become Christ followers, okay? And so then we saw a guy named Paul on his way to Damascus, and has he meets Jesus on the way to Damascus, gets blinded, and he goes, Paul was this guy who was just breathing out threats and violence against the church. He was standing there when Stephen was stoned, being a witness for that. He was on his way. He was vehemently against the Christian church, a persecutor of the church, and Jesus came, and and he had an encounter with Jesus, and after that, Paul became a believer and himself was persecuted. Then we saw Peter take the good news of the gospel to the Gentiles, okay, those who weren't Jewish. Prior to this time, it had been only Jewish people who had come from that faith into Christianity. Peter takes the gospel to the Gentiles, to the home of Cornelius, and again, we see the church continues to grow. 
And then we stayed through two missionary journeys of Paul. Paul with Barnabas and Paul with Silas. And the church continued to grow throughout the entire world, throughout the entire Roman Empire at that time. And, and most recently, we've been studying the third missionary journey of Paul. The last message that we had in the book of Acts, we were in chapter 20. And we focused on a particular verse. It was verse 24 of chapter 20. It said this, but none of these things move me. Nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. That was the verse that we sort of camped on. And we were talking about it in terms of our calling, our calling as believers and the purpose that God has put in our lives. Now, each of you has a calling, every one of you has a calling, a purpose, a plan that God has put in your life. Every Christ follower has one. And we talked through that, right? We, we use the word vocation. Now, you may have heard that in a couple contexts. I'm going to put it up on the screen. This is how it's defined. I think this is dictionary.com. Uh, it says, a particular occupation, business, or profession, calling, which is probably how you've normally heard the word vocation. Um, the next one, a strong impulse or inclination to follow a particular activity or career. Okay, maybe. But look at these last two because these are the ones that really sum up what vocation is from the believer's mindset. A divine call to God's service or to the Christian life, a function or station in life to which one is called by God. Talks about the religious vocation, the vocation of marriage. Marriage is a calling. It's not a calling for everybody. But it is a calling, okay? There's different callings. The point here is, is that unlike those in the world who want to tell you that you are just a meat sack who is determined, in other words, has no choice, is determined to do the things that the little chemicals inside your body are forcing you to do, and there's nothing, there's no purpose, there's no plan, there's no order, you're just nothing. You're just part of the stuff. The universe is all there is or was or ever will be, and you're just an automaton or a robot, and that's all you are. Unlike that, the Bible has something very different to say about who you are and what your value is and what your purpose is. And the Bible says, in fact, you do have a value, that you're incredibly valuable. You are incredibly valuable. That's what the Bible says. And regardless of what you look like or how tall you are or, or whether other people in your life have treated you like you have value, Scripture could not be more clear that you're valuable. You're so valuable that Jesus was willing to die for you. That's how valuable you are. And now that's pretty valuable that God would care enough about you to die for you. And so we understand that. And because he loves you so much and because you're so, so valuable, he's given you a calling that is specific to you. Okay? To use the gifts that he's given you. Each one of you have been given gifts. We've talked about this before. Last time when we looked at this verse, we looked at it generally talking about persevering and not having fear and not being afraid and trusting God as we lived out the particular calling for our lives, the particular calling that you have as an individual that's specific to you, and every one of you has one, and it's your own. But we're going to get specific this time about a specific calling that the Holy Spirit through Paul references in this book, in this verse that we just read, and that's the call to evangelize. The call to evangelize. This is a call for everyone. Now, this, what does it mean to evangelize? It means to preach the gospel. Okay, did that help? Probably not. What is the gospel? The gospel is the good news that Jesus is alive. 
after his death on the cross, and that we can be right with God and that we can live forever with him. That's the simple gospel, okay, that there's forgiveness of sin, that there's grace. At the end of the day, to evangelize is to begin the process of making disciples. Now we have to come back to what we said earlier about disciples. What does it mean to make disciples? What does it mean? Okay, remember the definition is a worshiper, a servant, and a witness. A worshiper, a servant, and a witness. Let's take those three things. What's a worshiper? Pastor John Piper, um, he's in Minneapolis, Minnesota, uh, and he says this, true worship is a valuing or a treasuring of God above all things. A valuing or a treasuring of God above all things. Now, what does that really mean? It means that there is nothing, now hear me right, nothing, no thing, nothing more important to you, more valuable to you, than God and your relationship with him. Nothing. Not this, not that, not that person, not this relationship. Nothing that's more valuable or more important to you than God. That's what worshiping God looks like. Nothing is more valuable. It means that all of the other things that you value, you value because of the way that you feel about God and because you value God and because of your relationship with God. It means that you are in constant awe and thankfulness for every relationship and other thing that you have and your very life because you know that all of those things have come from God. That's what worship looks like. You owe everything to him. So that's worship. So first, a disciple is a worshiper. That's the way a disciple feels about God. Second, a disciple is a servant. What's a servant? According to J. Hampton Keithley III, and he's got three, a three after his name, so you know this is going to be good. Servanthood is the state, condition, or quality of one who lives as a servant. Further, a servant is first of all one who is under submission to another. For Christians, this means submission to God first, and then submission to one another. So, first a servant is a person who is in complete Submission to God. Complete submission to God. And secondly, servant is someone who is in complete submission to others that God's called them to be in submission to. So, literally, a, a servant is someone serving the commands of our loving Father and the true needs of one another. Serving the true needs of one another. That's what a servant looks like. Okay? Servants are submissive. They serve. It's right there in the Word. They serve God and they serve others because of their love for God, because they're a worshiper of God. They can also be a servant of God. It flows very naturally. If God's the most important, then we serve him. And if he's the most important, then we also serve the others who he's also made, and who he's made us to be in relationship with. Now, so what about a witness? Can I get a witness? There you go. What's a witness? A witness is one who proclaims the truth of the good news of Jesus Christ's death and resurrection and forgiveness of sins and the many things that God has done for him or her. A witness is someone who proclaims the gospel, the good news, and the many things that God has done in his or her life. Right? Worshiper, servant, witness. That's what a disciple is. A worshiper, a servant, and a witness. Now, why is this important? 
Well, first, it's important because for those of us who have been gloriously saved by Jesus Christ, we're called to be his disciples, worshipers, servants, witnesses. We're called to do that. If you've been saved, if you've come to the Lord, you're called to do that. The call is nothing less than all of that. All those things we just talked about, your call is nothing less than all of that. That's first, okay? Um, And we're called to something else. Part of that, part of being a disciple, is that Jesus has given us another clear calling for the church and for every individual in it. We already studied that, as I've, as I've already told you, that all disciples have different callings, right? Individual callings. There's different as the many people in this room, as the many people listening online who follow Christ. All over the world, every one of you is so individual. When you, when you are actually in the presence of Jesus, you are going to recognize just how individual you are and just how he's created you as the only one of you. And that's absolutely true. You have a specific calling and specific gifts, but there are some things that every single disciple of Christ is called to do. Every single one. Let's turn to the book of Matthew, chapter 28, if you've got your Bible. Starting in verse 18. You've heard this one before, I hope. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. We are all called to make disciples for Jesus Christ. All of us. It's not something for the people who are in full-time ministry, because we're all in full-time ministry if we're truly disciples, according to the definition I just gave. That's what your life is about. Every single one of us who is a Christ follower is called to make disciples. Now let's look again at what Paul said in Acts 20, 24, the verse that we dealt with last time that I read earlier. But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. To testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Guess what? This isn't just Paul's calling. Okay, The ministry that Paul got from the Lord as far as testifying to the gospel of the grace of God, that ministry is everyone's ministry. Every Christ follower's ministry to testify to the gospel of the grace of God, to evangelize. Paul is saying that he's not going to be moved by chains. Remember, these people are saying, hey, chains away you, tribulation, trouble. All these things are coming. He says, I'm not going to be moved by those things. I'm not going to be moved by the hard times ahead. And he's talking both about for his individual mission that was just about Paul, who Paul was called to be in the way that he was called to do it. But he was also talking about the mission that's common to every one of you, the great commission that Jesus has commanded every disciple and all of us who follow him to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. So that's you and that's me if we're disciples of Jesus Christ. We are to go, go into the world and make disciples, make worshipers, make servants and witnesses for Jesus. That's our call, okay? That's the work of evangelism. Now this is the part that gets difficult if it hasn't already been. This is the part that's hard and uncomfortable and I'm speaking to myself and to all of us, okay? Our call is to evangelism. Our call is to make disciples. That means we have to do what Jesus has told us to do and go. 
we have to go. We have to move. It's action-oriented. We have to do something to make disciples, okay? And this is a message for any believer, but, but let me tell you something. This is definitely a message for the church in America and for Acts Church here in this room, okay? Right now, as a body, and, I'm, and I'll be the first to say that I'm on this list, we are not doing all that we ought to do to make disciples. We are not doing all that we ought to do to go, to evangelize, to bring the good news out, okay? Um, and I'm not saying none of you are making disciples for Christ. There's probably lots of you who are doing things in that area, but we're not where we need to be. And, and how do I know that? Because I can just look statistically at what's happening to the church, the American church in general. I can look statistically at the Western church in general, Europe, America, uh, you know, uh, North America and Europe. I can see that we're not making disciples like we ought to be making disciples. In fact, what we're doing is we're putting ourselves into groups and we're cutting, cutting off other people and we're sort, of, we're sort of getting in the bomb shelter. We have our friends, we have our acquaintances, we have our folks, and we're not going and making disciples. We're not, as a church in general, okay? I'm not speaking to any individual person and telling you that you're not doing it. I'm just saying, as a church in general, we're not doing it. Now, part of the reason for this is that I don't think we understand the call. We don't see the seriousness of the call to evangelize and to make disciples. I don't think we know how to do it. And I will take responsibility for both of those things as to this room but we're going to fix that this morning. We're going to fix that this morning. First, I want to talk about the importance of the call to evangelize. Okay? What Paul's talking about here, that he's willing to face anything, anything to go and fulfill this call, this ministry that God's given him, this ministry that God's given you. Okay? Romans 6.23 says this, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. What are wages? Wages are what we earn for our work right? And the work of sin earns the wages of death. The work of sin earns the wages of death. That means that everyone in the world, every person in the world right now has earned some wages, and those wages are death. Every single person has sinned. Everyone has knowingly disobeyed Everyone has knowingly disobeyed God, knowingly done things that they knew that were, they were wrong to do. And if, if you're in this room and you don't think that's true of you, let me just tell you, you're lying to yourself and doing it right now. Okay? Everyone has sinned. Now, because of that, every single human being would be separated from God but for the second part of that passage, right? The beautiful part of that passage. The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's amazing news. And here's the thing. And I want you to think seriously about this. I want you to have faces in your mind as I say this. Your family and your friends and your coworkers and the people in your neighborhood and in your apartment complex and at Starbucks and wherever you go, any of these people who have not believed on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ are spiritually dead. And if they don't turn to Jesus and believe on his name, they will be dead forever and separated from God forever. Don't let anybody tell you that there's no hell. Don't let anybody tell you that there's nothing bad coming. It's not true. These people, hopefully those faces that the Lord's bringing to your mind right now, those people that don't know him, they are dead. And death is all they'll ever know if they don't call on the name of Jesus Christ. Do you care? 
Let me ask it this way. Would I be able to tell that you cared and that you took that seriously if I was to watch your actions throughout the week? I can tell you that for me, I'm not sure that I would pass that test. Romans 10, uh, verse 10 through 17. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing. How will they hear? All these faces, all these people that I just talked about, how will they hear if you don't preach to them? They're not here, right, for me to preach to them. So how will they hear if you don't preach to them? But what if I'm not a preacher? Can you talk? If you can talk, you can do the kind of preaching we're studying here. You can tell people about Jesus. You can tell people about what he's done in your life. You can tell people that he's risen from the dead. That's, all, that's preaching. That's preaching. That's the kind of preaching we're talking about here. Mark 6, 15 through 16, it says, And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. Listen, there are people in your life right now, there are people all over the world right now that will be condemned because they will not choose Jesus. But we are called to make disciples. That means we're to speak the truth and love about Jesus. We're to preach the gospel. In verses 26 and 27 of that last chapter we studied in chapter 20 of Acts, it says this, Therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. And we talked about Paul saying this to the, to the elders there that were from Ephesus that had come to meet him. I'm innocent of the blood of all men because I have not shunned to declare the whole thing. I told you, I preached the gospel, and so I'm innocent. And he's probably referring to the watchman in Ezekiel. I'm going to read that to you. This is Ezekiel 33, 1 through 6. We've talked about this before. Again, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, speak to the children of your people and say to them, When I bring the sword upon a land and the people of the land take a man from their territory and make him their watchman, when he sees the sword coming upon the land, if he blows the trumpet and warns the people, then whoever hears the sound of the trumpet and does not take warning, if the sword comes and takes him away, his blood shall be on his own head. He heard the sound of the trumpet, but did not take warning. His blood shall be upon himself, but he who takes warning will save his life. But if the watchman sees a sword coming and does not blow the trumpet, and the people are not warned, and the sword comes and takes any person from among them, he is taken away in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at the watchman's hand. God is saying this. Blow the trumpet when trouble comes, and if they don't listen, it's on them. It's on them. But if you don't blow the trumpet when trouble comes, it's on you. It's on you. Now listen, trouble is coming for your friends, for your family, for your coworkers, for the other people in your community, for the people you see on the street every day, for the people you interact with every day. Trouble is coming for them if they don't know Jesus. The sword is coming. Trouble is coming. 
Okay? Death is coming. Now imagine that each one of you in this room, each one of you listening online, every follower of Christ, imagine that there's a city full of people that God has put in your life, and you're the watchman in that city. You're the watchman. You're on the wall. You know the trouble's coming. I just told you about it, and you already know that. That's why you came to Jesus yourself. And here you are on the wall, and you know that trouble is coming. And there's the people in the city are the people God has put in your life. Are you going to blow the trumpet? Or not? Because if you tell them and they choose not to believe, that's not on you. That's on them. But if you don't tell them, that's on you because the Lord has commanded you to do so. Listen, this is serious. We have to stop saying that we love people if we don't care enough about the fact that they're going to hell to say something to them about Jesus. That was Pastor David Robinson from Axe Church in Camas, Washington, and this is Contemplate. Teaching like that kind of hits you right between the eyes, doesn't it? And as I mentioned earlier, we all know that we need to share our faith, but how do we do it? Well, next time, Pastor David will give us some insights that will be a big help, and I hope you'll join us. I also hope you'll join us this Sunday for church. For directions and all the info you need, find us online at axcamus.org. Again, that's axcamus, camus with a C, axcamus.org. Or call us at 360-885-9000. Again, that's 360-885-9000. Hope to meet you this Sunday. I'm Ron Hagelgans. Thanks for being with us today, and we look forward to next time when we'll bring you another great Bible lesson with our teacher pastor, David Robinson, here on Contemplate.